Welcome to Hub and Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub and Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hello, everyone. Welcome to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast. I'm Chris Lenton. It's Thursday, March 3rd. Today's guest is Eduardo Prudhomme. We've had Eduardo on the podcast a couple times. He's one of my favorite guests. He is a contributor at NGI. He writes a column every other week for us. He's also the head of the GADEX consultancy in Mexico City. Eduardo, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you, Chris. I'm glad to hear that uh, I'm your one of your favorite guests, and I really enjoy talking with you uh, in this podcast. Great. Well, the reason why I wanted to get you on was because of the the Twitter Spaces event that you held the other night. You actually were the one to introduce Twitter Spaces to me, and since you've you've done that, I I've found it really fantastic. It's a wonderful new new medium. And, you know, you had hundreds of, of guests on the other night of, you know, listeners on the other night. And what you were able to do is basically weave together the story of how what's happening in in Ukraine right now eventually will impact the North American market and by extension, the, the Mexico market. It's interesting because natural gas used to be a very sort of localized affair. You needed markets to be close by to where natural gas was produced. And then you had pipelines that sort of extended that out. And now it's become completely global. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you think what's happening in Europe will impact Mexico energy markets, Eduardo? Well, thanks for the invitation, Chris. I think that we, we, we need to talk for a while about the my initiative to have that spaces. I organized that event because I received a lot of questions from um, some of my clients, some uh, friends and the people I interact normally. They asked me about what's going on. Yeah, They were very worried about the quantities available. There are some opacity in, in the way we are now managing the main systems. Recently also CFE not only because of the the crisis in Ukraine, but also because of the winter, CFE had an, an announcement saying just that, well, we are ready for, for any contingency related with the winter. Mm. And and now AMLO is, has just said that, well, Mexico is, is ready in case of the crisis escalates to something unmanageable. AMLO just said, well, we, we can just start running our power system with the dams and with our uh, own resources. Yeah, which is, which is a problematic statement on its own, of course. Exactly. It's, it's, it's also hyperbolic, right? I mean, Mexico shouldn't face any sort of supply disruption and prices haven't really responded to what's happening in Europe, certainly not the way that they, they have in Europe, correct? Exactly, exactly. But that, I mean, we, we have these two, these contradictions on, on one side, Obviously, everybody hears the president and, well, if he says so, shall we be worried? That's the question. I mean, if, if, if the president is now telling that at some point we can simply stop burning gas for, for producing power, creates a sense of, of risk, the, this sense of something is going on. 
what information AMLO has that, that the rest of us uh, simply don't have. So it's important to, to see these contradictions that is coming from the, from the official sources. And that's why I, I try to share with, with some people, with the, the public in general, just what you said. I mean, at this moment, there's no any risk about the scarcity in the, in the border. You, we are just going to see the same volatility that the rest of users in, in the markets of Texas are, are, are seeing. So in my opinion, and I, I think it's not only an opinion, in the facts, Mexico is not facing any major risk because of the crisis. So I think it's important that the, the market participants has this clear message. Sure. And citizens of, of Mexico as well. As you know, Eduardo, we recently revamped you know, our Mexico data and our, and our charts in conjunction with, with GADEX. And you know, one of the new sort of tools that we have is a export or an import tracker of, of U.S. natural gas into Mexico. And we, we clearly see that natural gas flows into Mexico have remained basically the same since the war started in, in, in Ukraine, and, and they continue to be sort of on, on an upward trend. Do you see any threat whatsoever, let's, let's say short-term or, or, or mid-term, for this trade? I mean, could, could perhaps natural gas be diverted to LNG and not make its way into Mexico? Could we see a repeat of what happened last, uh, last year with, with Winter Storm Uri, where suddenly, you know, there was this massive supply shortfall? I guess my question is, has Mexico done enough to shore up its its energy security? I think it's, a, it's a, an, an excellent question because, again, we, now Mexico is a bunch of contradictions. On one side, I think we are plenty of capacity. We have uh, more than 20 interconnections that behave well. Mm. Uh, I think recently, maybe because of the pandemic, we are not assessing the, the, the value of the offshore pipeline. But since the fall of 2019, the Mexican network is behaving as, as never. I mean, we have a very continuous flow. The conditions in, in central Mexico are, are the best ever because we now have a direct flow going directly to the area of Querétaro coming from the South Texas to Tuxpan pipeline. So the Ramones project, I mean, the, the, that we, we call it that way in Mexico, but it's the, the system that begins with the Nextera pipeline, the Nextmex pipeline. Mm. Well, we, we now see that the load factor is, is below 100% because now there is a kind of, of relief in the way we are we are operating that pipeline so we're in the in the in the best position ever yeah however and and obviously there there, there was enormous expectation about the the potential the possibilities of, of 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 getting this supply guarantees and we're taking for granted i mean the users are taking for granted the the supply coming from texas so i think that the the energy supply uh, if we understood if we understand the, the energy supply as a, a way to diversify, yeah, it's true that we are getting gas from Texas, but we have a new, a new, a new route, a new gate, and it's, it's, a, it's a way to diversify. Yeah. However, Mexico is becoming less transparent. I think we are becoming in a kind of city gate when the a, a good bunch of the of the of the gas that is exchanged between Texas and Mexico is related with 
bureaucratic decisions coming from CFE. Mm. CFE is now the major player. We know that he, his contracts with, with, with important volumes beyond the needs of the electricity sector in Mexico. So they are doing some trading decisions daily. However, I think that the way they are operating these contracts is not as convenient for promoting more, more transactions in the market. We are becoming a, a large city gate. There are a few elements now for any agent in Texas to, to understand what's going on in the Mexican market. Is, is it we can be bullish or bearish? Yeah. Uh, we don't know because the direct connection between the users and the, and the commercial companies in, in Texas, we now have CFE in the middle in most of the transactions. So I think that's why we need to be worried about a situation when the risk would come from a bad decision from a bureaucrat in inside CFE. Yeah, the fundamentals have never been have never never been as good, but the political risk has sort of never been as high, or certainly not in the last ten years or so. Yeah, the political risk that is at the, at the end affecting the the operations. We need to, to understand that uh, people that work in CFE at the end are public servants with bosses very, with a political objective more than and trying to seeking for, for a, making CFE profitable. In fact, in the, in, the spe- in the official speech, they say that, well, CFE is a, a social entity looking for the wellness of, of, of the people. So... That kind of guidelines, economic guidelines inside the organization are not the best for having a clear idea on how to manage a day when we see certain cuts in the, in the flows or, or something. If we need to take actions to guarantee in the long term, well, maybe we, we will not take the right decisions because we are all the time thinking of the imaginary world of the bosses. Yeah, let's talk a little about a little bit about long term. So there's there's been a big push in this last week from energy companies and and the IEA actually came out today and said that you know LNG is going to be needed in Europe to replace Russian gas. And so you have energy executives saying we need to develop more LNG, we need to develop more LNG capacity. And at the same time, it's becoming harder and harder to get new natural gas infrastructure, both pipelines and LNG going in the United States. And so now you have this option of perhaps Mexico being an LNG exporter using using U.S. natural gas. Sempra, the guys at Sempra this week were very bullish on not only ECA, but also a second LNG project called Vista Pacifico. And they, they seem to be saying that they have spoken to CFE and CFE has released some capacity to them for these projects. It's It sounds like there is room for for the private sector to sort of work with Mexico as long as they're speaking to the right people, which in this case is, is the CFE. Tell me a little bit about your opinion on, on these LNG export projects in Mexico and whether there's a new impetus for them to, to go ahead because of what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, Mexico has a very good opportunity to open the dialogue with the American authorities. I think that w- we were talking about um, energy security and I think that we need to rearrange this concept to have a more regional view instead of just having a national view. I think if, if we work together in a win-win situation, could be a splendid solution for both parts. I mean, maybe discussing the, the allocation of capacity in some of the pipelines 
that are not used today in the Pacific coast. Maybe uh, CFE could um, release some capacity in the secondary market in a lo- with a long-term agreement with some of the projects of of, uh, of Genova, of Sempra, and there's another project there, the Mexico Pacific Limited. I mean, if if they work together, it's a way that CFE can have s- certain financial relief of not paying capacity that is not being used today. And in the long term, we can increase the pipelines, increase the interconnections, getting joint projects at the same time that the supply for the for the liquefaction facilities is met. At the same time, Mexico could have an increase in the capacity and having a more reliable sources of gas. So I think it's we need to discuss openly and having even with this distortion of having a CFE, an official entity involved in the market, well, it's a, it's a, we can it's going to be easier to have to have deals and have a, a national perspective. If we want to refocus on the on the idea of the reform of 2014 and rely more in the private sector, well, in that sense, is I think it's also an opportunity to have different off-takers involved in long-term projects. So I think it's, we need to change the focus in, in the energy security. If we think that Mexico is part of the North American region, the question is completely different. Mm. And in, in, that, in that sense, Mexico could uh, still feel, have the sense that the, that the supply is granted coming from Texas. On the other hand, if we keep relentless to, to, to discuss this kind of, of topics, we are increasing the risk that the force, the market forces seek for alternatives to send more gas to the European market and to, to Asia. Yeah. In that sense, we are going to get out of the equation and the risk of, of seeing some diversions in the flows is going to be higher. And maybe not in the short term, but in the long term, obviously the, the current contracts are, are going to be covered. But for the increase in demand, Mexico... I think it's a question of time that we will recover in the economic activity and also in the in the gas demand. I think we are going to have risk for the incremental volumes. That's that's where I see the the, the risk for the new for the new demand for the new projects. If they want to get a reliable source coming from US, it's going to be not as cheap as as it used to be. So that's yeah. that's where I see the risk for the incremental volumes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's still a lot of debate about that whether LNG will have an impact on on domestic prices. I mean, natural gas prices in the new in the U.S. and North America are about double where they are where they were last year, but they're certainly nowhere near the the pricing that we're seeing in Europe, which is frankly you know hard hard to fathom. I think the um, prices at the TTF today were touched sixty five dollars per MMBTU. What's your hunch? Do you think that LNG will start impacting, you know, sort of Henry Hub and, and these prices and in turn impact Mexico pricing? Not in the short term. Again, obviously during this, the volatility that we are seeing today is because, I mean, all the markets are, are a mess, you know, because of this uncertainty about the, the economic activity, all the supply chains that are interrupted because of all the commodities that that Russia is an important producer of, of, of a lot of commodities. And, and we, we, we are not sure if, if, if the demand is going to recover because we are also seeing the, the, the end of the COVID 
2019. And so I think that, that it's very, there's a lot of nervousness in the market because of this uncertainty. It's very choppy, the market. But I think at the end, we are going to see a stable level in the next quarter of the, of the year. And I don't see an important increase in the price for, for Mexico. Mm-hmm. However, again, because of this a lack of transparency, this dominance of Pemex and CFE in the Mexican market, I think that AMLO is going to say that any increase in the energy in general is going to be very easy to blame the uncertainty because of the of the war between Ukraine and Russia and because of the LNG markets, it's going to be very easy to blame those new conditions of any increase in the in the energy prices. We see that the oil price is up uh, very in a very strong way, and we're still burning heavy fuel oil. So, in the spe- in the official speech, it's going to be very easy to blame the natural gas market for for any increase in the energy. So, I think AMLO is going to use any any situation to as an excuse to burn fuel fuel oil basically exactly and and mm. also to blame the market view and 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 everybody that is is trying to get open access in the mexican grid and uh, and the people who believe that the market is the best allocation economic system for for allocating resources well they they have another idea they they think that making pemex redesigning pemex in the same way Russia has directed Gazprom. I mean, that's one of the dreams of AMLO. I mean, make make Pemex Gazprom. Exactly, that's one of the of the of the dreams of AMLO. So, I think the discussion is more philosophical. I mean, we need to stand for for the market. We need to to say that is the best way to to guarantee the long term energy supply for Mexicans. And foresee for improving the the open access in the in the pipelines, maybe not not during the AMLO administration. But one thing that is important is to to keep the the legal framework as it is now. So once that AMLO leaves the office, maybe we can take again the good ideas of promoting markets. Yeah, well, let's 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 end it there. But I'd like to know quickly before we leave, AMLO recently in a poll conducted by El, El Universal, uh, saw his approval rating fall to the lowest level of, I think it was 54%. Mm-hmm. Do you see, see the energy reform passing, the counter-reform in the electricity sector? It's an excellent question. Today, I I see in the, in the newspaper that now they are opening the discussion in the Congress, uh, something that the AMLO was reluctant to have a dialogue political parties. I mean, the AMLO's party, Morena, say that they will not change any any sentence inside this initiative. Now they are saying that they could change the ideas that are in this proposal, the language. So I see that uh, because of this, the beginning of, of, of the weakening of the president, I mean, it's normal in Mexico. I mean, once that the presidents in Mexico reach the middle term, they start to go down. It's normal because it's simply the... the the results are, are not the best. And obviously the people is, is getting tired of, of the same blaming and the corruption scandal of, of AMLO's son had a, an impact in the public opinion. So, sure, especially since that's his whole platform, right? Anti-corruption is, is sort of what he built his entire image on. Exactly. Mm. So I think 
I see more chances of uh, of having the energy reform approved. But I also see that since now the opposition is going to intervene in the way the language is going to be set at the end, I think that there are chances that maybe... I think that the, the bottom line here is uh, for AMLO is getting some guarantees that CFE will be able to burn more heavy fuel oil in, in the CFE's plants. I think that's the bottom interest of AMLO. And obviously, his desire of saying that he's recovering the energy for all the Mexicans. But I think they, they want to have that, that flexibility in the economic dispatch. I think it's going to be, if you just say that because of the stability of the grid, you need that Senase intervene beyond the economic dispatch, it's something that is be, is, could, could be manageable. And at the end, CFE will have some flexibility. Mm. With, with that idea, I think there are, there are room for, for, for negotiation. But something on the other side, I think for the private sector, the, the idea of, especially for, from the self-supply permits, the idea of disappearing that scheme is completely unadmissible. I mean, for the private sector, it's a deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hope it doesn't get to that. Eduardo, thank you so much, as always, for your time. And we will certainly have you back on the podcast soon. No, I, I love to, to be here. And, and thanks for the invitation. And, and see you. All right. Talk soon. Understanding the energy, regulatory, and political landscape is imperative to achieving success in the Mexican natural gas market. A daily information service that is trusted by active market participants on both sides of the border NGI's Mexico Gas Price Index provides on-the-ground and independent news and insight, as well as market-informed natural gas pricing and flow data. Visit natgasintel.com backslash Mexico dash GPI to find out more about NGI's Mexico services and how they can better inform your strategy today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate, and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page. 